and Yom Tov. Just have um, a short message I would like to share with you um, on the holiday. Yom Kippur, 5777. How fast a year flies by. And um, today we're going to be talking about Yom Kippur. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the themes of Yom Kippur, specifically confession, vidui, transference, and atonement. We're here to commemorate Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. For us as a Messianic Jewish community, it is a day to reflect, a day to repent and renounce sin. But it is also a day to reflect upon the graciousness of God and the provision of atonement that he has made for us in the Messiah, Yeshua. Without Messiah and without his sacrifice, we would be lost in sin and unable to have access to a holy God. The procedures outlined for us in the Torah concerning Yom Kippur are unavailable to us since there is not a temple in Yerushalayim. But thanks be to God that he foresaw this day and made provision through the Messiah. My goal for us is that we would truly grasp and appreciate what God has done for us. If you were here last night, I had an overwhelming sense in my spirit last night for all that God has done for us. Without the Messiah, we are lost. But God, in his graciousness, in his mercy, spared us. While repentance and confession are appropriate and important, as we've already done, really, as we reflect, it is God who has done the hard lifting. It is God who did the atoning for our sin, the sacrifice. It is God who has done it, and it is to God that we give all praise and glory, for he is indeed worthy. We should reflect on all that Yeshua means to us as we go through this day. Really reflect on that, not just get through the day so we can break the fast, but truly reflect on all that Messiah means to each of us. Um, we will inevitably see, if you haven't already, through the prayers that we prayed and the many confessions that we make, how far short we fall from the holiness of God, that we are sinful in our very DNA, and it is the grace of God and the provision of God that allows us to stand before his holy throne. Today we will consider three themes of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Something I want to say at the beginning for us to consider throughout this day. I want you to consider what sense of need do you have for forgiveness from your sin? Do you believe that God alone could give you that forgiveness? How will that happen? And how are you changed as a result? Those are important questions, themes of Yom Kippur. We come with hopes 
of not only confession and repentance and forgiveness, but we come with hopes of change. That we will not be the same individuals going forward, but we would be strengthened. We would be made more into his image and his likeness. And it all starts with confession or vidui. And it says in Vayikra, as we've heard already, chapter 16 and 21, it says, And Aharon is to lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the transgressions, crimes, and sins of the people of Israel. You see, the confession of sin is one of the components of the Day of Atonement. Confession is simply an acknowledgement before God that we have transgressed his commands and fallen short of his standards. Another way of putting it is we are taking responsibility for our actions without blaming someone else or without blaming our circumstances. It's saying, God, we, in fact, are guilty before you. Too often we look to blame others. We look to blame our circumstances to justify our sinful actions. By confessing that we have done wrong in the eyes of a holy God, we take the first step toward forgiveness and right standing before him. That's why this day is filled with so many confessions. I'm sure you noticed our revised Al-Chet prayer that we prayed last night and we'll pray later. But we're bringing back the old Al-Chet prayer later for the Mincha service, which is like a 20-page long confession of our sins before a holy God. It brings home our need and hopefully contrition, but it happens through confession. It says in the Encyclopedia Judaica, in the Bible, the confession of sin committed either individually or collectively is an essential prerequisite for expiation and atonement. To all of us who never like to say we're wrong, for those of us who have a hard time because of pride of confessing when we have strayed or erred from the truth, it is essential, an essential prerequisite for expiation and atonement. The various sin and guilt offerings prescribed by the sacrificial ritual had to be preceded by confession. No formula for the exact wording of these confessions is given in the Bible. The Mishnah, however, records the confession of the high priest on the Day of Atonement. And it says this, O God, I have committed iniquity, transgressed and sinned before you. I and my house, O God, forgive the iniquities and transgressions and sins which I have committed and transgressed and sinned before you, me and my house, as it is written in the law of your servant Moshe, for on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you from all your sins, you shall be clean before the Lord. That's pretty powerful. Right? The Kohen Hagadol, right? The high priest 
taking responsibility for his action. This is the man that no doubt in the community would be looked up to as an example of righteous and holy living, saying, no, I too have fallen short and are in need of God's forgiveness. In Yoma 87b, it says we, or I should say, we have an example of a third century confession composed for for Erev Yom Kippur, which reads this, I confess all the evil I have done before you. I stood in the way of evil, and as for all the evil I have done, I shall no more do, do the like. May it be your will, O Lord my God, that you should pardon me for all my iniquities and forgive me for all my transgressions. Grant me atonement for all my sins. Another example states, my God, before I was formed, I was of no worth. And now that I have been formed, it is as if I had not been formed. I am dust in my life, how much more in my death. Behold, I am before you like a vessel full of shame and reproach. May it be your will that I sin no more. And what I have sinned, wipe away in your mercy, but not through suffering. And to that we could all say, Amen. We could see that confession is of the utmost importance. Our confession before God shows contrition on the part of the worshiper, an acknowledgement that God is the only one who can pardon us from our sins. This shows the supremacy of God as ultimate judge of his people. In Shmuel Aleph, chapter 12, it says, All the people said to Shmuel, Pray to Adonai your God for your servants so that we won't die. Because to all our other and because to all our other sins, we've now added this evil as well, asking for a king over us. In Nehemiah chapter one, it says, Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night. On behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. How easy is that for us to say? We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you commanded your servant Moshe. God just looks for us to acknowledge our wrong. He doesn't look to keep us in a place of despair. The scripture says in the Brit Chadashah, Yochanan Aleph, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It is contingent, however, on our confession of sin. But he is eager and desirous and willing to stretch forth a hand of mercy toward you and toward me. That brings us to our second theme of this holiday of Yom Kippur, and that is transference. Back to Vayikra chapter 16, it says, Aharon is to lay both his hands on the head of the live goat 
and confess over it all the transgressions, crimes, and sins of the people of Israel. He is to put them on the head of the goat, the sin. And then send it away into the desert with a man appointed for the purpose. And look what it says. The goat will bear all their transgressions. Away to some isolated place, and he is to let the goat go in the desert. As we can see clearly from the text, confession alone was not enough to fulfill the requirement of Yom Kippur. Sin that was confessed needed to be transferred from the worshiper to the sacrifice. By doing this, sin was removed from the worshiper and transferred to the sacrifice. The sacrifice was then put to death and sin was removed. In the Hebrew Bible, the word, word samach, which is translated the laying on of hands, refers to the priest placing his hands before the offering of the korban in the temple in Jerusalem. This involved pressing firmly on the head of the sacrificial animal, thereby symbolically transmitting sins onto the animal or in other interpretations to transform the sacrifice into an offering acceptable to Hashem. Your sins need to be removed from you, is what it's saying. Confession is the beginning, but then those sins being transferred to a righteous sacrifice are a necessity. The principle of transferring sin can be seen in the practice of tashlit which is practiced on Rosh Hashanah. Perhaps you did that this year. Perhaps you went down to a body of moving water and you took the crumbs or bread from your pockets and scattered them upon the water. Well, the practice, which means casting off, is the practice of symbolically casting off the sins of the previous year by tossing those things into the body of flowing water. And just as the water carries away the bits of bread so too our sins are symbolically carried away. This is based on the scripture found in Micah, or Micha, and it's chapter 7 and verse 19. It says, God will take us back in love. God will cover up our iniquities. You, God, will hurl all our sins into the depths of the sea. Now, though this is a nice thought, it is not what God has prescribed for the transference of our sins. We must be careful that tradition does not supersede Scripture. The Messiah even addressed this very thing. He said, he said Thus, with your tradition, which you handed down to you, you nullify the word of God and you do other things like this. You see, tradition is great when it is used to enhance scriptural observance. That's its purpose, to enhance scriptural observance, to give us something to hang our hat on so we could observe the scripture. But here's the problem. Once men deviate from the ways of God and man begins to do his own thing, problems always arise. That's why there is a whole tractate on Yom Kippur called Yoma in the Talmud, consisting, think of it, of eight chapters filled with man-made laws and regulations 
concerning Yom Kippur. Compare that to 34 verses found in the Torah that outline the specifics of the day. Eight chapters versus 34 verses. The prophets pointed Israel to a future day when Messiah would be the one to bear the sins of the people. Yeshiahu 53 says, in fact, it was our diseases he bore, and I want to put a comma there, because if you're in this room today and you're struggling with sickness and infirmity, the scripture clearly teaches that Mashiach not only bore our sins, but also bore our diseases as we put our trust in him. In fact, it was our diseases he bore, our pains from which he suffered, yet we regarded him as punished, stricken, and afflicted by God. And unfortunately, many of our Jewish brethren still think of him in that light. But he was wounded because of our crimes, crushed because of our sins. The disciplining that makes us whole fell on him, and by his bruises we are healed. Therefore, I will assign him a share with the great. He will divide the spoil with the mighty. For having exposed himself to death and being counted among the sinners, while actually bearing the sin of many and interceding for the offenders. You see that? Here in Yeshiyahu, it tells us plainly that the Messiah will actually bear the sin of the people of Israel. Not symbolically, but actually. Our sins will be transferred to him when we put our trust and faith in his sacrificial death. That is basically what God has prescribed. In this same language is used in the Burt of Yeshua. Look what it says in Kepha Aleph. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we removed from sins might live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. For you, like sheep, were going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Without Yeshua, our sins remain. But when we put our faith in him, they are transferred and his sacrifice cleanses us and makes us righteous in the sight of the Almighty. As we go through this day, we need to reflect, how much does Yeshua mean to you? Without him, we're lost. But because of his gracious act, it says in the Tanakh, that I have come to do your will, O God, speaking a prophetic reference to the Messiah. At the Garden of Gethsemane, Yeshua said, not my will, but yours be done. And the last point, as Rabbi Carol so passionately put forth to us last night, is simply atonement. Since today is the day of atonement, it's not the day of confessions, although we do that on this day. It's not the day of repentance, although we do that as well. It is the day of atonement. 
Atonement should be our focus, not merely confession and transference. Atonement is the goal. It is to happen by the blood of the sacrifice being sprinkled on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. That is the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement culminates in the Kohen Haggadol going behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies and sprinkling the blood on the mercy seat. The Day of Atonement without that is not the Day of Atonement. It could be any other day of the year, but not the Day of Atonement. Only this one day was that to take place. That's why this day is so special. You see, the Day of Atonement does not atone without the blood of the sacrifice actually atoning or covering our sins. The Babylonian Talmud in Yoma 5a, citing Leviticus 17.11, says this. Does the laying on of the hand make atonement for one? Does not atonement come through the blood? As it is said, for it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life. Does the waving make atonement? It is, is it not the blood which makes atonement as, as it is written? For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life. In the Babylonian Talmud, Zevahim 6a, citing Leviticus 17.11, says, Surely atonement can be made only with the blood. As it says, for it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life. See, again, recalling the prophet's words pointing toward this day of no temple, nor sacrifice in Jerusalem, he says, Therefore, I will assign him a share with the great. He will divide the spoil with the mighty for having exposed himself to death and being counted among the sinners while actually bearing the sin of many and interceding for the offenders. Rabbi Eliyahu de Vidas in the 16th century said, Since the Messiah bears our iniquities which produce the effect of his being bruised, it follows that whoso will not admit that the Messiah thus suffers for our iniquities must endure and suffer them himself. I want to close with this passage from the Messianic Jews, the letter of Hebrews. It is about this day. This whole passage is about this day, the Day of Atonement, showing us how Messiah himself fulfills it. It says, but when Messiah appeared as Cohen Gadol of the good things that have now come, passing through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, That is to say, not of this creation. He entered into the Holy of Holies once for all. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 
For Messiah did not enter into for God, for Messiah did not enter into the holy, holy of holies made with hands, counterparts of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in God's presence on our behalf. And he did not offer himself again and again as the Kohen Gadol enters into the holy of holies year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have needed to suffer again and again from the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has been revealed once and for all at the close of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Have you ever thought why the temple is not standing today? Certainly God that we don't, he is all powerful, could have made it happen, could have easily made it rebuilt. There is no need because he put away sin through the sacrifice of the Messiah. Sin is finished, done with. As we place our trust in him, our sins get transferred to him. And his blood atones for us. And just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this judgment, so also Messiah was offered once to bear the sins of many. To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, that is atonement. Where our sins are removed from us, this is the reason we can truly rejoice in what Messiah has accomplished, final atonement. Let us reflect on how that should impact and change our lives as we go through this day. We recite it often, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. Why would we do that right there? He has done something for you and for me that we can't do for ourselves. I'll end it like I started. What sense of need do you have for forgiveness from your sins? Do you believe that God alone could give you that forgiveness? How will that happen on this Yom Kippur for you? How will you be changed as a result of that? So let's bow our hearts and pray. Our Father and our King, we thank you for the provision that you had made for us. Abba, we, Lord, confess as we have already this day our sins before you, our crimes, our failures and our shortcomings. But Abba, we also rejoice in your merciful and gracious compassion toward us in the Messiah. Lord, that you sent him, Lord, to suffer and die and take his shed blood and atone for our sins behind the curtain in heaven itself. So Abba, we thank you and we receive that atoning work. Amen. Amen. Thank you.